This is part two of our discussion on the mind and who you are. We pick it up here and talk about mindset versus personality and even get into kind of a spicy conversation about a really popular personality trope that we see going on today and how that relates to all the things about the mind we've already discussed. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, let's pick up our discussion on the mind. So we talked about in the last episode, the brain versus the mind versus the soul. We talked about consciousness and mindset. Now I want to pick it up here and I want to ask you a question. Okay. So my question is, what's the difference between personality and mindset? Well, I think your personality is more sort of inherent to who you are mm-hmm. um, and just how you naturally operate. I think your mindset can be more is more changeable. Mm-hmm. I think you can adjust your mindset. You can't necessarily adjust your personality. Although adjusting your mindset might sort of change things about your personality, right? Like if you're, if you tend to be easily frustrated or something like that, mm-hmm. if you can adjust your mindset, that would help that. I, I agree 100%. And I would say this is similar to like the mind and brain argument. Like They're similar, like they're things, parts of them weave together, but they are different. So I'm going to give you the official definition and then I'm going to tell you sort of the quote unquote easy, simplified way to think of it. Okay. Okay. So personality is a pattern of relatively permanent traits and unique characteristics that give both consistency and individuality to a person's behavior. Okay. So here's how I think about it. Personality is how you act and mindset is how you think. Ooh, yes. And those can affect each other interchangeably. Absolutely. How you act affects how you think and how you think affects how you act. Absolutely. That's the way that I look at it. I like that. That's a lot easier. Okay. Now, I thought I would tell you, I'd give you a sneaky peeky into... When I'm talking to someone and I like it's my job to help them, I have to understand the way that they act and the way that they think. Like I have to have like a pretty good understanding of that. So I have like a little process that I go through to figure this out. I figured I'd do it. It's very simple and easy. And you can you can use it yourself for yourself and you can also just check on it with other people and it, it can kind of give you a very quick snapshot of how somebody both thinks and acts. Are you ready? Yes. I didn't come up with it. This is a real like, um, like psychological concept. So like, I think there are probably therapists who use this and stuff too. So I can't take credit for it, but this is what it is. So it's called the personality mechanism and it's three, it's made up of three factors that you look at with somebody. So it's input decision rules and output. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you an example to kind of explain them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that the input is a dangerous situation. So your input is like something's happening. You're taking in energy, information, all of that. It's coming in. Okay. So dangerous situation. That's your input. Okay. Okay. Now what you're going to look at is the decision rule. Now, this is something that happens internally. And when somebody's telling you a story, they will describe this. Okay. So think okay. of someone telling you a story. They're going to start with the input. Okay, I was in a dangerous situation. And then as they tell you the story, they're going to tell you their decision rule. 
So okay. in this example, I'm going to say um, like courageous would be a decision rule. Okay. So this is based on your traits. So you have a decision rule that says I'm courageous. Okay. Then the output would be that you go and face the danger. Okay. All right. So someone's telling you a story and they're like, I was in this dangerous situation. And so you're going to go input dangerous situation. Okay. Okay. And then they, they tell you then their decision rule. They'll tell you in their storytelling. Oh my God. I knew I had to, I had to face, I knew I had to stand up to this. I'd stood up to stuff before I was going to do it. You'll hear them tell you their decision rule, which is courage in this situation. Okay. So inside they have a rule that the way that they operate when faced with a dangerous situation is courageously. All right. Someone else might have one that says I ran. So if you don't face the situation, you're, you say like, go to safety. Like you said, like run away. Your output here would be to avoid the danger. So your output is really your outward action or your reaction to whatever your decision rule is. Does that make sense? Yep. So if you if you decide like a personality trait of mine is that I'm courageous, your output would need to match that for that to be true, not just what you say. So we would listen to someone tell a story and pinpoint in like in my head, I would hear like the input is the situation. So the danger, the decision rule. So you're telling me you're courageous. And then the output, if you are courageous is that you face the danger, right? But if you ran away or maybe like, maybe you tell me that you screamed at an innocent person and that made you tough, that doesn't actually match up with that personality trait. So you want to look at the output to sort of be like, is this all lining up? Does that make sense? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And then if you're, interestingly enough, if your decision rule doesn't match your output, that's a whole other piece of your personality to look at. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you're telling me I am a really strong leader and then you have an input that comes in that you deal with a situation that like, say you're a manager somewhere. And so like someone brings you a, a situation where they're like not getting along with a coworker. And so you tell me that you're this really fair, great leader and that's your trait. But what your output is, is that you just start screaming at everybody and forcing them out of fear to do stuff that doesn't really match good leadership skills. So I'm going to go, Oh, interesting that you've, you're really somebody who feels out of control and afraid in those situations, but you're saying that that's how you're good you know, as a leader, does that make sense? So you can see things that don't match there. Right. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. So like your mindset, if you have a growth mindset, you're going to approach these things differently, but you're also going to see your personality trait in just these three things. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not going to really, or hear somebody's mindset when you're looking at these three things, but when you factor that in, you get a pretty good picture of how somebody operates. Yeah, you definitely can. Yeah. So it's interesting. So next time someone's telling you a story, see if you can identify those three things and see what you learn from it. Yeah. Or see if you can learn from yourself. Oh my God. That's my favorite person to analyze is myself. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Notice like, oh, did, did the input and the decisional and the output all kind of line up or was there something a little off there? Or then you could even pose the question, Jay, like, well, if I don't identify as something like courageous, mm-hmm. um, 
how could I, could I change my output? Is that possible for me? Do I want to like, you know what I mean? That it kind of goes back to that nature versus nurture. Can you, can you choose those things? Right. Or maybe I'm maybe courageous. Isn't exactly what I want to be doing. Maybe you could reframe that part of it. Yeah. Maybe it's a different word. Maybe it's like discerning when to stay and when to go. Maybe you're good at that. Right. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So the last thing that I want to do is give kind of a, a real uh, hot topic. I'm going to call it a personality profile, or maybe we should call it a trope. I don't know. Um, That's happening in our culture right now and see if we can apply like mindset, personality, growth and fixed mindset, levels of consciousness, like mindfulness. Like, can we apply all of that to this and see what, see what shakes out? What do you think? Yeah, let's try it. What is it? Okay, so the trope that I picked is um, the Karen personality profile. <laughs> Ooh, so much of that. So much of that going on lately. Oh my gosh, yes. So, okay, For, before we get into this, I know it's going to like raise a, some hackles, but that's part of our job, right, Jay? So like we're okay with that. But I, I, want, I want to say that I'm not poking fun at this. And I do know that, that sometimes people who are actually named Karen are agitated by this. Yes. Right. Agreed. That, and, and that would be annoying if we called them all Heathers. <laughs> totally. Totally. I mean, I volunteer to, to provide my name to it if you want, like, cause I, I wouldn't take it personal, but like, I, I, I'm not saying if your name is Karen, you're this, I know someone's going to get upset about that. So I'm going to say that right now. Well, and I'm also, we all okay. know lovely Karens, right? Like we all know a Karen that's lovely. And yeah. that's- lovely like I think of like Karen Walker from Will and Grace we're not talking about that kind of Karen um and I actually did a little research on this Karen trope and they don't really know where it like who the original Karen like the OG Karen is but there's people are guessing that it is um the Karen who's the wife in Goodfellas oh really yeah she's a Karen and she kind of like fits this trope so you guys can go look that up and see what you think. But there's also a Karen in Mean Girls, um, but she's kind of young for this trope. I just thought it was like picking a name that was like super common amongst that like age group of women. Yeah, it could be that too, but they think that it it must have like be a reason that we all went with it. Maybe it's like thing. yeah. But I also want to say that like being able to take these concepts, like somebody's mindset, somebody's personality, you know, growth or fixed mindset, level of consciousness. This is all really helpful because you can use this. And the more empathic you are, the more you are wanting to help people or change things or make things better. And the more curious you are about people. So you can use this to gain a better understanding and it can make you a better helper, not just better at helping people, but better at protecting yourself while you do. Yeah. And I mean, not to make fun of Karens, but the, we need to know why there are so many women that are acting like this lately. Why the why this is such a societal reaction from women. And I am so here for this because I love studying things like this. This is so up my alley. So let's talk about, first of all, what a Karen is. Are you ready? Okay. So a Karen is a white lady. Mm-hmm. Um, who is, okay. So there, the the things that I see call her an aging white lady and my feminist soul doesn't love that, but I'm going to say a woman that is like, 
I see it as like late 40s into the 50s and 60s. I do see some stuff saying 30s. I don't I don't think it's like a set age, but it's certainly not like a someone who would be considered young by society. How's that? Right. I would have said like 30s and up. Okay, I, I'll go with that. So again, I don't like calling it aging because that makes me feel like a whole other podcast topic that I want to talk about ageism and what we do right. to that and all that stuff. But it kind of does work here. So mm-hmm. my apologies. <laughs> Fixed mindset. Definitely. Fear and powerlessness, which I want to go back and talk about in a minute, are huge issues for our Karens. Yes. Experiences ageism by society. I want to go back and talk about that because there's a very specific element of this that I want to talk about with the ageism. Um, I wouldn't necessarily categorize Karens as narcissists, but I would say that they exhibit narcissistic behavior. Agreed. Okay. They tend to be middle class, um, upper middle class, and you can... I'll say up higher than middle class as well. Like I would wealthy women too. However, we do see the tropes die out at like the highest levels of wealth. Okay. And then there's a particular word that I think describes this trope the best. And I also think it's an energy and that word is entitlement. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about kind of why, and let's sort of then kind of go like, well, what pieces of this do we see related to personality, mindset, nature versus nurture, generational, like what's going on in in a Karen's mind that's causing her to act like this? Mm -hmm. All right. We see a huge pattern with Karen's where they feel powerless next to the powerful patriarchal figure or institution with a big influence over their life. Yes. So I'm, I'm going to give two examples here. First, I'm going to say a woman whose husband um, is sort of the power figure and she doesn't feel powerful. Like he tells her what she can and can't do. Right tells her how to spend the money, like whatever. It kind of doesn't matter why, but she feels like she has to do what her husband says. So in her relationship, she feels powerless. Okay. Now you can also find this in um, patriarchal institutions like religions. So this is why you see so many like, um, like Jesus loving Karens. (laughs) Yes. Right. So in patriarchal institutions like religion, I'm not slamming religion, but like, let's say Christianity, for example, we can't deny that that's a patriarchal institution, right? Oh, you cannot. Okay. So they would feel less powerful. And now I don't think all Christian churches and religions really promote women being less powerful, but some do far more than others. Right. More. Yeah. So those types of things where they feel like they're powerless next to that, or there's no place for them to grab power. Now you have got the real environment to create a Karen in. Right. And I've said this a million times in, in this podcast, but that's what you call like proximal white supremacy or proximal patriarchy where white women in particular who do have, you know, have their gender used against them, um, they sort of cozy up to the people in power so to keep themselves safe. 
And you can understand that. I can be empathetic to that, but not at the cost of someone else. But like the millions and millions and millions of white women that voted against their own best interests in this last election by voting for Trump. I said it. It's true. Yeah. It is um, true. <laughs> yes. That's because it it's the only place where some women can feel like they can be powerful is by is by getting themselves really close up to the what they see as like a power source. Yes. And there's many reasons why I adore you, Jay. And one of them is that you would go, my next note says, ask Jamie to explain patriarchal proximity for white women. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're welcome. I already did it. Done. Checked it off the list. Because this is exactly what we see this, these Karens doing. Okay. I'm just going to call them Karens now, but I hope you hear that respectfully. Um, So they are going, okay, I don't have power. And in these places, I don't feel like I can gain power. So in, I feel powerless, let's say it that way. Okay. And I feel a lot of fear. So I'm going to align myself with that to make myself feel safe because feeling powerless feels really unsafe. Right. Okay. Everyone feels that way when they're powerless. Yeah. You look for, if you feel powerless, you look for something or someone powerful nearby and if you choose a positive source or are lucky enough to have a positive source nearby, then you'll probably become empowered. But if not, you will probably be, have somebody wield power over you. Right. And then you try to wield power over the next person in line beneath you. Exactly. Jay. So this is what happens with this, this trope. Okay. So they're not feeling it there. And this, this build up of feeling powerlessness is happening and they are turning to someone that they feel more powerful than. So in society, they would look at the quote unquote pecking order and they would look and they would see somebody that they felt was beneath them on that and then create like a power trip on that. So the reason that you see so much racism here is that in our society, white women feel like they are a rung above women of color, BIPOC women. Like, so they're going to act out their entitlement and their powerfulness on, or their lack of power really on somebody they see as down or wrong. Does that make sense? Yep. Also, it could be somebody who's a server. Like you, I've seen videos of them acting it out on baristas, like making their coffee for them. And they, Take it out on them. So they're seeing them as down a rung from who they are. They call this, this has a name, it's called the chain of screaming. Yes. And so the the sort of way that they show it is like, let's say their husband screams at them. Mm-hmm. They leave the house after that and scream at the barista, right? That's what happens. Okay. There's more to this though. They also have this thing about them. And this is the part I would love. I hope, I, I'm really hoping that you have some, some beautiful insights into this, but it's okay if you don't. <laughs> I just put a lot of pressure on you. <laughs> they feel this real need to police other people's behavior. Mm-hmm. This, you mix these things together. And there's one other element I want to talk about too, but you start mixing these things together and you have a real toxic thing going on here. 
I don't really know where the police other people's behavior thing come comes from. Like they feel like they they should or can or have taken on that role. But I'm 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 gonna guess that it comes from a feeling of powerlessness. But what do you think? I mean, I think that we've said it again a thousand times in this podcast that like women feel constantly policed. I mean, to the point where I mean generally generationally, we were burned, we were drowned, we were buried alive by like society and patriarchy literally policing us. Um, And so I think it sort of is a place where women feel like they are being constantly judged and graded and categorized. And so they feel like they then have the right to do that to other people. That Mm -hmm. it's sort of like a lashing out or like a projection of what's being done to them. It's like instead of the chain of screaming, it's like the chain of policing. (laughs) Correct. That's really smart because even if you're not fully conscious of it, you as a woman are constantly being policed. Like you said, like, you know, like you're either a whore or the virgin, you know, like you don't have a choice. Like everything is, is judged and you can't win. So that makes a lot of sense. I like that a lot. So the other element here is that they um, expect no consequences to their behavior, which is kind of the definition of privilege, in my opinion. But um, they they do these things really not thinking anything's going to happen to them if they do. No, I mean, there's a whole entire sort of thought going around society culturally now. It's called like white women tears. Yes. If a white woman cries she thinks and she knows that the majority of the time that she's going to be saved and Mm -hmm. she's going to let off the hook. You can see that with some of the women that were um, a part of the insurrection at the Capitol. You can see that all throughout time and space in our, in our country, that that's what white women do. Exactly. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, Jamie, do you know what goes really well with listening to a podcast? A great cup of coffee. Yep. And if you're local to South Shore, Massachusetts, you've got to check out Restoration Coffee. They're a specialty coffee shop that's been voted best coffee on the South Shore numerous times. And they offer more than just a great cup of coffee. They have specialty lattes, breakfast and lunch options, a cool vibe, and a really friendly staff. And if you're local or not, you can also order their beans, which are roasted in-house, by the way, and have them shipped anywhere. Yes. I'm going to go grab myself an Americano. No, grab me a Rachel with oat milk. That's my favorite latte. All right. You got it. And you know what, Jay? The owner is also really hot. Um, You should know you're married to him. <laughs> All right. Visit restoration-coffee.com. That's restoration-coffee.com. And tell them that the intuitive girl sent you. So the last little piece I'll, I'll add to this is that um, there seems to be a connection with these women um, really realizing that the ageism is making it so they're not treated the same by society. So I think this kind of connects to the the sort of policing that we were talking about before. But let's just, I'm just going to give this as an example. And I want to tell you, it sucks, but it's unfortunately true in our society. 
Like if you are a 19, 20, 21 year old, cute little thing bopping around, you're going to be treated differently than if you are a 50 year old woman. Right. But then that's when you find a Karen who's then going to try to pull rank as like an older woman. She's going to try to pull rank on everyone around her. Yes. So, so the kind of theory with this element is that Karen was treated differently because she was a a cute, privileged, young white woman and her, her treatment drastically went all like downhill, like seemingly suddenly to her because she is no longer considered young. So people don't give her a pass. People don't allow her behavior. People treat her differently. Not necessarily the person she's taking anything out on, but she's feeling that lack of like privilege and entitlement because she sort of lost that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's learned behavior from when she was given that type of special treatment. And she's almost trying to like make that behavior louder or um, be taken more seriously because she knew it, she knows it worked in the past. So if I'm just a little bit louder or I cry a little bit harder, you know, and I can get the attention back on me, then I can fix the situation. I can regain power in the situation. I can get this barista to make my coffee the right way. God damn it. You know, it's like, it's like this sort of really hyper-focused moment of probably what's like decades of feeling frustrated and feeling unseen. Yes. Exactly. And I, I want to interject if I may. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel the like tension in this conversation about, about speaking about white women and about speaking about Karens. And I really feel like we need to address it, Heather, because it's, it's called for. Yeah, you know, you gotta be able to have your own behavior and your own self come under fire. You and so, if your hackles are raising, I get it, but like it's probably because you identify with part of it and that you probably don't like that. And that's okay. You, we just have to be better allies. Like all the things that we talk about in this podcast about women being nurturers and like being caretakers and feeling energy and transmuting emotion. Like that's what we are naturally good at. So when we see an entire sort of like generation of women, white women in particular acting a certain way, that's really counterintuitive to how they sort of are best served. That's something we have to look at. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, sorry, but you need to keep looking and you need to keep speaking up. And if it feels like an attack, it is. And it's an attack on bad behavior. It's yeah. not an attack on white women in particular. It's an attack on white women who are behaving really terribly to other people. I mean, and it's documented and you can find literally tens of thousands of ex- of anecdotal videos of this, never mind the ones that aren't videotaped. Um, and never mind the ones that have been happening for generations before, you know. So I while I I want people to be comfortable and to be heard and to be learning here, I also really feel like 
we can't tiptoe around this stuff. We have to call people out. We can't just call out like who we see are the bad guys or who we see are like super extreme Nazi skinheads. We also have to call out the people who look like us and ha- have the same feelings as us and, and have the same frustrations as us and aren't managing it very well. We need to call those people out too. I think that was my favorite rant that you've ever done. <laughs> I was like going to say it and then I pulled back and then I was going to say it again. And now I, I really, I, I can feel the tension. Like you and I are like, it's sort of this preemptive tension. I think you and I are feeling because we know how people are going to feel hearing it. And I can't protect you from that anymore. Mm-mm. I Nor- can't. You have to feel it. Yeah. He- here's the thing. I see white women Karen's posting on, on posts that are like, are, I'll read it like, and I'm not perfect either, but I'm reading something and I'm thinking like, this is amazing. Like this, uh, this is an example and I won't give any names cause I don't want to call anything out, but <clears throat> there's this amazing black activist woman that I follow. And she is so kind in how she helps us white women along to be better allies. And I can't imagine the grace it must take to do that. I really, I wouldn't be able to. And we don't necessarily deserve it either. God, no. And the, I, I'm going on to comment, like to sign up. She's, she's literally putting out a class on how to be a better white ally. And I'm thinking like, it's, it's freaking free. And I'm like, I think I already signed you up for it, by the way. I didn't even ask you just did. Okay. So, I'm signing up and in the comments where I'm going to write like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm so excited. I'm seeing hundreds of white women writing. This is offensive. This is ridiculous. We don't need this. This is not our job. This is not defensive, 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 entitled, entitled, entitled. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh, good golly, Miss Molly. Like what has happened that you can't hear criticism of yourself, of um, your own gender, of your own quote unquote race, because white isn't a race, but whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what is going on? It's so frustrating. Right. And and if you hear someone talking about, like when I hear someone calling white women out, that doesn't raise my hackles because I know that I'm not in a department store demanding to speak to the manager or I'm not like flipping over a table at like the local cafe mm-hmm. or I'm not like refusing to wear a mask just because someone's asking me to follow like the state rules and regs. Like I know it's a problem. I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm perfect. And I don't need to address this, but it doesn't make me mad because I know that it's a problem that we all myself included need to be actively working on. So if you're like, this isn't a problem and, and everyone else around you is saying it's a problem, everyone else is saying, ma'am, calm down. Like everyone's saying, ma'am, stop screaming. You need to stop and you need to look around. Yes, absolutely. And you need to, you need to identify how you could do better because listen, you and I put a lot of time and effort into growth within this department, into trying to show up as as good white allies, right? Like we really do, but we're not perfect. Like we make mistakes, we do things wrong and we 
you have to go like, you have to push through that uncomfortable feeling when you're being called out. Like, first of all, most of the time you're being called out just generally online. So like, right. but like, you need to go like, how could I do better? And then try to find a way to look forward to being able to grow in that way instead of be so defensive of how you already are. Like that is the definition of a fixed mindset is to think that you can't grow further or you can't do better. Or if somebody who has an experience that's not your experience is telling you how to be a better supporter of them, I don't care race, gender, whatever, that should feel like a really special opportunity for you, in my opinion. Right. But if you're someone that constantly feels unsafe and constantly feels like they have no power, then that's just going to read as another very scary situation. Exactly. So that's, and that's where you need a growth mindset to be like, okay, what do I need to know here? What do I, what do I, what do I have? Who do I have around me to help me? Like, why is this happening? How can I do better next time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, And I'll also say to this same point here, like when we're looking through all of this stuff, the entitlement piece is the part that gets me. Like I I can I can hang with the other things and I know that's a privileged thing to say as a white woman because it's mm-hmm. I can get away from it and, and come back to it. But it's entitlement, it's the feeling like you should have it because someone else does that really I think is the main problem. So like if if there's any element could be worked on here for all white women, but especially Karen's it's that like, why do you feel entitled? That's the part that really gets me. I don't know. Do you have a theory on why this entitlement comes through this trope so much? I not, not in particular, but I was going to say like, is that if we're picking apart this archetype of Karen's is that then that's sort of that lower they're operating at the lower consciousness level, right? Like they're all in ego. They're, they're not safe. Yeah, I think so. I think it's the, I think it's that like lower consciousness, fixed mindset combination. And I think when you put people in a place where they feel powerless and, and, you know, people with a fixed mindset see growth as an assault on their self-worth. I'm going to say that again. People with a fixed mindset see growth as an assault on their self-worth because they think it's all fixed. I'm born with this amount. And so you're saying I don't have it. So then they identify their worth with it. So that's where you're getting these big reactions, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. makes a lot of sense. They think that you're saying they're not good enough or smart enough. And that's where this comes in. So I think my opinion is that that sort of like victiminess that comes from a fixed mindset and mm-hmm. come from that lower consciousness vibe of just survival and for me, that that sort of creates this feeling of entitlement because they also have stuff. They most likely have a bit of money, at least. They, you know, have some societal privileges. So it's like, it's almost like an incredible protection of that because they're so afraid to lose it all the time. Does that make sense? Right. Yes, it does make sense. I think entitlement 
is the thing that like, if we could pick apart and I'm not saying we need to further discuss it now, but I think like as a society, we can go like, why is this person experiencing entitlement? And can we bring them out of that state that that would be great? And I can tell you, it's not just a Karen trope. <laughs> I'm going to give you an example no. of entitlement real quick. Okay. Then okay. I promise I'll wrap up our, our mind bending discussion here. But so I had this really great idea last week where I would do a, car, a free card pull on TikTok. Um, and I was like, I'm going to be smart and I'm going to only have it open for one day. And so I did that and it was free. You heard me say that, right? It's like, yeah, I'll just pull cards on TikTok. Well, somehow the video went viral. <laughs> <laughs> sure did. And over 17,000 people asked me for a card. That's crazy. So I... <laughs> I'm still working on it. It's going to take me a while, right? I made another video being like, hey, I didn't expect, never my wildest dreams that I think that many people would know who I was or find my video. Never mind, ask for a card. I'm happy to do that. It's, you know, this free thing for you that you didn't know about but came across. Um, but it's going to take me a little while to get to it. So even with that, offering something free that no one was expecting, I didn't set it up ahead of time. Nobody paid me any money. And then I said, hey, like I got overwhelmed, but I'm going to try to get through as many as I can. I get on average 10 angry messages a day from people mad at me that I have not pulled their card yet. You're kidding. That is to me the definition of entitlement. Like, and it's just literally because they see that someone else got a card. You know what I mean? They're, they're angry that this free service that they weren't expecting um, hasn't provided for them. That to me is like, yes. it takes a lot of patience over here, girl, to not, to not go all lower consciousness on them. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think that that's sort of tied to like the entitlement is like, it's a part of the problem in this society where there's almost like a caste system where, you know, there's like the one percenters and then there's like the very wealthy and then the wealthy and then, and then all the way down to like the poor and homeless and, and so it feels like safety. We're operating on very like root chakra levels, very like very lower consciousness levels as a collective, right? Like we got to stay safe. And the way to do that is to sort of climb that ladder. So if you can assert yourself that you're superior, then I think like superiority and entitlement almost sort of subconsciously equates to safety. Oh, I like that a lot. It's like a, it's like a, um, like a really false sense of safety that you're, you're trying to build. Right. And I think that people who are like either very confident and very secure in themselves or people who are very wealthy, they don't care. They just like, they just, they don't care. They're not going to engage or get in an argument. And so I think that people like a Karen who feel like they're grappling for power that they're like, oh, I need to assert myself as dominant here. And that would be me demanding my latte made the right way at the right temperature. You know what I mean? It would be, but that's actually like the false superiority that doesn't actually exist, but it's sort of like what we see as like a safe standing in this society. Yes. And I, I think what's so irritating to, to me, and maybe it's not just to me, but is that like, Women are already experiencing powerlessness and being held down and this policing and this, all this stuff in our society. And so 
to decide to turn around and give that to somebody else and keep that going is frustrating. And that, that change just keeps going with that. And so it's, right. it's really hard to watch. Yeah. And I think that we can have empathy for Karens and, and people like that, but we also need to hold people accountable and people need to be responsible um, and they need to step up. So it, it's not all or nothing. You can have empathy for someone and you can understand their plight, but you also, we also have to stop turning a blind eye to people and saying, oh, that's just them, or that's just what they do, or that was just this one time. Like we have to start like having people be responsible. Yeah. And and that's part of the Karen trope is that they don't expect consequences. No. So to wrap it up, I'd say understand why people are behaving the way they are. Don't let them on the hook for it, but understand why. Have empathy for it. Think about it. And then decide the best reaction to it. Still hold their feet to the fire. Still have consequences for that kind of behavior. That's life. And that's what should happen. But if you can understand why it's happening, I think you can diffuse it easier. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that you can do. And, and I think honestly, if you see someone being doing this like entitled behavior, you could be a good ally to the person experiencing it Mm -hmm. or ally. If you, if you understand it, so it's not a pass, but it's, it's a better way to be able to, to deal with this problem. Right. It gives you tools to use when you're seeing things like this happening. Yeah. So I think that this this is happening so much in society because all women are pushed down so hard by patriarchy, but white women are pushed down less hard. So they have this little step above. And I I think it's caused this weird, this weird like little micro personality issue. Right. It's just a power struggle. Yeah, exactly. And I guess is it personality? Is it consciousness? Is it mindset? I think maybe it's every, it's all of those things. Yeah. I think it's all of the above. I think we're all, all of the above. Agreed. All right. That's all I got. I got for you about taking a trip in in my mind about the mind. What do you think? Well, that was a lot, Heather. Thank you very much. I mean, that was super informative, but obviously a lot of work for you. So thank you. Happy to do it. I think doing this podcast is my favorite thing. So there you go. Mine Mine too. Awesome. High five, friend. All right. Go have good mindsets. I'll see you later. (laughs) Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.